You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge. It's the middle of the month of May. The things, the things, the teams continue to roll on here as we continue with WNBA regular season, Major League Baseball regular season, the NFL schedule release. Uh, the Seawolves continue their season in MLR with some not so good updates about mm-hmm. that. The NWSL season continues, so things are chugging along here. So uh, with that being said, we will jump right over to the NFL schedule release for our Seattle Seahawks with Bell. Bell, take yeah. it away. So the past week, the schedule was released. I think that was released on the 12th. We'll go through that here. The preseason schedule, week one, we have um, the Seahawks at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Week two, week two, they are playing here against the Chicago Bears. Week three at the Dallas Cowboys. And then let's dive right into the regular season here. Week one, we get to see a matchup against Russell Wilson. Um, that will be against the Denver Broncos, and that's a 5:15 game. Um, do we have a date for that? No. Uh, that's yeah. I didn't. I missed that one. It's just so. It's a Monday night game, so it, it's. I think it's part of the week one doubleheader. They yeah. always have the doubleheaders on week one. That's that had to be purposeful. Oh, definitely. I mean, so that's that'll be a fun matchup to see, but it'll be really really interesting to see the reception. Um, that Russell gets when he comes back to Seattle. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who cheers him, who boos him, mm-hmm. how the overall re- response will be. That'll be uh, an interesting game, and it'll be really interesting to see how this roster uh, performs because obviously yeah, there's sure. a lot of new pieces. It's, uh, I mean, I'm going to prepare for not the best outcome just because, again, this is probably a team that's going to need probably a couple weeks to figure it out, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, and while it's a good matchup, that's also kind of what I've hoped for when they faced the Broncos, is that they at least had a couple of of games to get into rhythm before they faced off. But we get them week one, so let's go ahead and keep moving forward here. Week two at the San Francisco 49ers. Week three versus Atlanta Falcons. Week four at Detroit Lions. Week five at New Orleans Saints. Week six versus the Arizona Cardinals. Week seven at the Los Angeles Chargers. Week eight versus the New York Giants. Week nine at the Arizona Cardinals. Week 10 at Tampa Bay. Um, week 11 is our bye week. Week 12 versus the Las Vegas Raiders. Week 13 at the Los Angeles, Angeles Rams. Week 14 versus the Carolina Panthers. Week 15 versus San Francisco 49ers. Uh, week 16 at the Kansas City Chiefs. And week 17 versus the New York Jets. Last, um, our again added week here, week 18 versus the LA Rams. Um, and before I ask you what games kind of stood out to you here, I will go ahead and say that week six against the, Car- the Cardinals stood out to me just because that will be the last game that DeAndre Hopkins is on suspension. So, hey, we get a matchup against the Cardinals, our division rivals, without one of their star wide receivers. Of course, they do have. Um, Marquise Hollywood Brown so it'll be interesting to see how they adjust to him but you don't have to worry about Hopkins out there so at least that's a plus yeah and I know then and since the time that he's been a Cardinal I, I don't remember who it was specifically that uh, was on him but there was a certain corner where they just went after him again and again and again mm-hmm. with Hopkins playing against one of the best receivers in the world is less than ideal having right. to avoid that Pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's a, a good point there. You know, it's important. I think you were talking about that where we would be playing them uh, in regards to his suspension. So that's yeah. good. I just I am curious, you know, at least we'll get this out of the way. The bye week for years has been an issue with Seattle, whether it's early or not. Mm-hmm. Week 11 is pretty solid. You know, week 11. And then I think that was pointed out uh, four of the five games to end the season for Seattle are at home. So I know that, again, in recent years, Lumen Field hasn't necessarily been this home field advantage that it has been since it opened as Seahawks Stadium and then Quest Field, CenturyLink Field, now Lumen Field. Um, but that's got to be advantageous. It's better to get that out of the way, I think, all those road games and then come and play at home. But it's I don't fresh. know. I wanted to talk to you about that, like an interesting stretch of the season that you had to get through. And we were looking at them. I don't know if that stretch is necessarily – and I consider stretch three games or more. Yeah. Because there are several two game points here. If we look back at it, you that know, tough. Uh, playing the Broncos and then the Niners right after. That's a lot of talent mm-hmm. on the offensive side mm-hmm. of the ball. Falcons, Detroit, not really worried about. Saints, kind of a question mark. Cardinals, 
they're always pesky. It's a divisional game. So Cardinals and then, so yeah, Broncos, Niners, and then Cardinals, Chargers. You know, Chargers, they're a damn good team, and they've got a lot of talent. And that's, I mean, we look at the AFC West already. That's a loaded division. Yeah. And the Chargers, I would hope that they would be considering my bias and not wanting Denver to do well. You know, I would hope that the Chargers would be one of those better teams, and I'm assuming they will be. But you look at Arizona, Arizona Chargers game, uh, and then uh, play that Chargers game, play the Giants. Not too worried about the Giants, but the last time they were here, uh, I think it was Colt McCoy, and they, they beat us. That was a terrible game. <laughs> um, and then after that week nine and week ten at the Cardinals, and then at the Buccaneers in the Germany game. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It just seems like there's a bunch of two offs. Is there anything else? Obviously, the Cardinals game sticks out, but is there anything else that sticks out to you about the schedule? No, and I think you're right that that two game at the Cardinals and then you have trouble all the way to Germany to play the Buccaneers. Um, also towards the end of the schedule here, you play the 49ers at home and then you travel to Kansas city for the last road game. Um, so that one looks a little tough as well, but nothing, like you said, not really a stretch of games there. Um, and it is important to note here that they are, they weren't scheduled for any Sunday night football games. And obviously games can be flexed, but unless Seattle hits a roll, I don't think that's going to happen. No. And I'm okay with it. I mean, this is, again, a roster that's going to figure things out. Even if Drew Locke or Geno Smith is going to be the quarterback, they're going to need to figure things out. Um, And unless, yeah, unless one of them comes out, wins the starting job and gets on a roll, I don't see any of those Sunday night games being played. And that's fine because I don't expect this. I know that the mantra has been this is a team that wants to contend right away. Yeah. Right. But I don't see that happening necessarily this year. I know that I think next week we'll look at that and we'll look at the, you know, win loss kind of thing. We'll give our predictions on that. Mm -hmm. But I don't see this right now as a roster that says, hey, we're going to come out, we're going to compete, you know, and we're going to battle for one of the playoff spots in an NFC West that has the 49ers have a ton of talent on offense, but are being held back by Jimmy Garoppolo. I will say that right now. I don't care. A Cardinals team that has a lot of talent on that offense, obviously without DeAndre Hopkins for six games, Mm -hmm. but still a lot of danger on that team. A defense that has a lot of talent as well. Don't even have to mention the Rams and what they're (laughs) capable of. So, I mean, it's going to be tough. And unless you get a proven commodity and uh, unless – I'm going to say it's going to be Drew Locke, but unless Drew Locke or Geno Smith can be an average to above average guy – I don't see that happening. So I'm not too concerned about not getting prime time this year. When we had a guy like Russell Wilson and Bobby Wagner on the team, yeah, why are we not getting more primetime matchups? But we don't. So it's not that much of a concern to me. And you mentioned how a stretch to you means three weeks straight, right? So the bye week crushing that right in the middle of a kind of a stretch wouldn't consider, you wouldn't consider that a stretch Um, because looking at this now, they do go play the Cardinals, then they play Tampa Bay. They have that by week and week 11, but then they come back and face the the Raiders, the Raiders. And then right after that, they're in Los Angeles for the Rams. Yeah. So I guess, I guess the rant, the, 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 that four game stretch, not including the bye week is yeah. kind of, that would be the sort of the death, the gauntlet to run mm-hmm. effectively. Uh, but that bye week obviously softens things. Yeah. So for we'll, sure. and with injuries, the way things have played out for Seattle in recent years, uh, getting a late bye week. Yeah, so I think that softens the blow, but that's definitely a good yeah. a good point out on that. All right, moving past the schedule here, there were some roster moves on the 13th, uh, all wide receiver roster moves. They signed Deontay Alexander and Kevin Cassis. They waived Matt Cole, Jake Herslow, John Mitchell, and Dimitri Robertson. Um, on May 16th, which was today, we just received the news that they signed corner Elijah Jones and tackle Liam Ryan. Um, and that about covers it for our Seahawks there. And so we can move on to a league news now. Um, former Jacks kicker suing organization. Josh Lambeau is seeking his fully, fully, full 2021 salary and damages for emotional distress after receiving abuse from Urban Meyer. Um, does that surprise you at all? No. <laughs> no. It's that whole, I mean, I think Jaguars owner Shad Khan spoke about it, but anything related to Meyer is just, it's always negative 
from now in here on out that I've seen, and it's it's not a surprise. Yeah. So I hope I hope Lambo gets paid in full for that. Yeah. It's disappointing to see any news continue to come out uh, from that era. Yeah. So hopefully he gets uh, appropriately compensated there. On the twelfth, um, Jerry Judy was arrested. Arrested. He faces misdemeanor domestic violence charges in Colorado. Um, he did have a dispute with a woman who they share a baby with. Um, Mm. Nothing to nothing physical. He kept some of her belongings in his car because she had one of his belongings, and it sounds like it all could have been avoided. But anywho, um, he did get arrested and then was released because of that no physical contact with a woman prior to the arrest. So we'll see how the, all that plan, pans out and if he gets anything in terms of uh, repercussion maybe a fine. from the team. Yeah, I don't see anything like a suspension. Probably a <laughs> yeah. fine. If anything, on the 13th, Jarvis Landry agreed to sign with the New Orleans Saints on a one year deal. So um, the Browns lose Jarvis Landry there and he will be playing in New Orleans now on the 14th. More details on Earl Thomas's latest incident arose. Former Seahawks safety Earl Thomas was reportedly arrested Friday night after an arrest warrant was issued for him in April because he violated the protective order two or more times within 12 months. That's considered a third-degree felony. Um, Thomas is only allowed to contact his wife, who has filed for divorce, on a co-parenting app. Thomas refused to download the app, threatening her and their children. Um, Thomas reportedly said that he hopes his wife's car drives off the road with the children in it. And also allegedly wanted to talk about wanting members of his family to poison the children. So not good news for Earl Thomas there. And of course that doesn't help his attempt to play again, which I don't think is, I don't think he'll ever. Um, yeah. It, I don't see that happening, but definitely doesn't help. Um, on the 15th, Drew Brees future was kind of questioned. Um, a report came out about Brees leaving NBC as an analyst. And then Brees tweeted, despite speculation from media about my future this fall, I am currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football again. And I may focus on business and philanthropy. I'll let you know. So a couple of questions on whether he'll come back and play. But <laughs> I don't know. That kind of seems doubtful. Like, like yeah. you and I were talking about before the uh, we started here. He, he wasn't good in the last few seasons that he played. So I, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Maybe he just doesn't feel at home in the analyst booth. Sure. Uh, moving forward here on the 16th, Sean Payton might be joining Fox. Payton won't be too far from the NFL next season as he will fill a few roles with Fox. Um, and that about covers it for our Seahawks here. The only thing looking ahead that we have now is in late July, which is NFL training camp. So we'll make sure to report more on news as we have it here. And we'll go ahead and move on to our Seattle Mariners now. Yeah, so, I mean, the past week for the Mariners. I mean, the past homestand against the Rays and the Phillies has not, wasn't too kind. I know that we went over the end of the road trip against the Astros and then the beginning of the series, the homestand against the Rays, which wasn't ideal already. Uh, with that being said, we look at this series against the Philadelphia Phillies, a team that's got a lot of talent up and down their starting lineup, let mm -hmm. alone um, their pitching. Uh, we look here at this three-game series against the Phillies, May 9th versus the Phillies, a 0-9 loss. Obviously, I don't – no player of the game there. That was just an embarrassing game to be a part of. Uh, I mean, it was Chris Flexen's start day, and Chris has been a part of, I think, four or five shutouts now that the Mariners have played in, and he's pitched well in uh, the majority of them. I think this one was the lone uh, outlier. I mean, nine runs, it was just – difficult you're playing against guys like Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, Reese Hoskins, uh Nick Castellanos. It was it was a brutal game. That 0 to 9 loss. I, it was hard to watch. Uh May 10th versus the Phillies, a 5 to 4 win, so they come back and rebound pretty well. Uh player of the game first baseman Ty France going 2 for 3 with one run, one RBI and one walk. Robbie Ray had the start there, so Ray Day uh striking out 10, the first manner to do so this season. Uh in a game May 11th versus the Phillies to play the rubber match and to wrap up that series a 2 to 4 loss. Uh so Seattle drops the series to the Phillies there. Player of the game once again Ty France going 2 for 4 with an RBI. So, you know, we look at that, I mean, again, this is a Philly roster that's really solid. Um it's got a lot of firepower already you know Bryce Harper is one of the best players in the league already he's dealing with the UCL injury and he's playing DH and he's still producing for them 
Um, there's talent up and down this roster. Gene Segura, a former Mariner, Reese Hoskins had three home runs in three days against the Mariners, which wasn't ideal, including a uh, a grand slam, I believe, in that final game. So Reese Hoskins raised hell. It was a tough game. It was a tough series. Uh, and then it didn't get any easier for the Mariners with this road trip that we talked about, you know, the Mets. And we'll look at these Mets scores in a second. But then now, starting today, they'll play Toronto in Toronto, which some of the players will not be able to play in that series because they're unvaccinated. Unvaccinated players cannot play in Canada, let alone enter the country, I believe. And then going down to play the Red Sox. And I know that their records aren't the best right now, but these are ball clubs that I expect to turn it on and expect to be in the playoff race once we come summer. Mm-hmm. So it following tough series against the Rays, who have been in the playoffs for years now, and may turn the corner this year. I don't know for sure. And the Phillies, who I expect to be in the playoffs, and then go on this road trip. It's not any easier for the Mariners. So they got to figure things out. They go to play the Mets, who going into this series, I believe, were 22-11, and 11, had not lost a series to anyone at all. Um, so Seattle comes to town, I believe, for the first time since 2008. They go to play at City Field. May 13th at the Mets, a 2-1 to one win. Player of the game, first baseman Ty France, seeing a trend here. France, one of the best hitters <laughs> in baseball, let alone the American League, uh, going one for three with a run and an RBI. Obviously, part of um, one of the two runs there. Marco Gonzalez had a great start, only giving up the one run. May 14th at the Mets, losing that one four to five. So it's a one run game. Yeah. Not not bad playing against one of the best teams in baseball at the moment. Uh, player of the game, left fielder Jesse Winker, going two for four with a run, three RBIs, and a walk. And just for some background on that game, Winker, I think it was that three run homer that he hit. And there's some history with Winker uh, mm-hmm. since his time with the Reds. Uh, so he gave the fans a little, a nice little home run trot around the uh, around the base pass and a nice some waving uh, once he he hit home plate, uh, which was it was fun. There was some discourse uh, with this Philly series, and we'll get to that in this final game here of the series. So win one, lose one, playing the rubber match of the series. May fifteenth at the Mets, winning that game eight to seven, probably closer than it should have been. The Mariners had an eight to four lead at one point. Player of the game, no. Center fielder and rookie Julio Rodriguez going four for four, two runs, two RBIs, a walk, hitting his second homer um, of his career. And with that four for four game becoming the youngest Mariner with a four hit game since Alex Rodriguez back in 1996. We'll get more to Julio in a second, but that Mets series, you know, you're playing one of the best teams in baseball. You're the first team uh, to win a series against them all season. It's pretty good. And I know last year, uh, this Mariner ball club was struggling. They played a two-game, I believe it was a two-game set against the Padres then in San Diego, and they got shelled in one of those games. And people were like, hey, what are we expecting this year? Mm-hmm. You know. And then they turned things around from that point on. Is that Mets series the turning point? I cannot tell you for sure because obviously we just it just happened. Right. But that definitely could. You play one of the best teams in baseball. The bats wake up decently you know jesse winker getting to the form that we had hoped he would be when the news broke while we were recording that we had traded for him uh you know marco had a solid start in that game robbie ray could really have improved in the start that he pitched in um but overall you know it it was a positive series i'd say so uh, we will get over to player of the week here and it was easy there was no differentiating differentiating opinions we both had uh center fielder Julio Rodriguez over the past week in 23 plate appearances, nine hits, two runs, one double, one homer, four RBIs, 13 total bases, two walks, a 391 batting average. So just a 391 batting average over the past seven days, uh, a 440 on base percentage, a 565 slugging percentage, and a 1.005 on base plus slugging. So I know that when the season started, right, there may have been some hiccups with Julio. You know, he's figuring stuff out, though. He's what, 22 now? You know, I, uh, 22, I think he might be 20, 21. 21. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, he's a young guy. He's got, he's only going to get better. Uh, he's now hitting for the month of May. He's hitting 346 and 264 for the season as a whole, which is fourth best on this ball club. Mm-hmm. So for a 21 year old to be hitting the fourth best on this team, does it have its caveats? Would you like for other guys to be stepping up? Yes. But Julio continues to improve. He's, there's only up. He can only continue to learn more and more. And he's got each row on this ball club to learn from. Ken Griffey Jr. is in the organization still. Mm-hmm. Edgar Martinez, I've seen him around the ball club still. So, you know, it's it's incredible to continue to see his success. He's getting better in the outfield. I know he's made some mistakes. But 
he, he continues to be as advertised. I mean, do you have anything you'd want to add on to that? Yeah, it's not too far in the season. And to see him improving this much already is a great sign. Um, I think he had that one homer that tied the game at five and five. Yes, I believe yeah. it was a tie. And then he now, Rodriguez joins Ken Griffey Jr. and Alex Rodriguez as the only Mariners players 21 or younger to reach base five times in one game. So um, he's not just stealing bases anymore. Nope. You know? He's stepping up and it's exciting to see. And and I like that you mentioned the base running because there was a key point that said if he can put the base running and the hitting offense of his uh, hitting aspect of his offense together, that's a really mm-hmm. dangerous thing to do because obviously some guys are great hitters, but they don't really provide you much on the base pass. So, no, I mean, uh, it, hey, if he can continue to contribute – and continue to grow, that's one of the best things you can take from this season. For so sure. good good point out on that. Uh, heading over to injury news, which again is never fun, as we always tell you. Uh, they're kind of, they're updates. So they're not the worst thing in the world. We get a better idea of what's going on. Um, on the 12th, we got some injury updates on some players, including Mitch Hanniger. Hanniger uh, could be out until July. DePoto said that the team has not established a timeline. So kind of a differentiating opinion there with these ankle sprains. It's kind of hard to tell depending on the, uh, what the severity of it is, uh, but it could be out until July, so we might not see Mitch for a while. Uh, Kyle Lewis, the team, likes how he's hitting in AAA with the Rainiers out in Tacoma. Not encouraged necessarily by how he feels after a day of playing defense, uh, but he's continuing to build up uh, strength and continuing to get back into the routine, maybe able to join the team uh, during the later part of the road trip. We'll see about that. Uh, Tom Murphy, if everything goes great, he could be with us here by the end of the trip, but we'll wait and see. No timeline on him. So, uh, again, kind of uh, could be at the end of the road trip uh, against the Red Sox. We'll see about that. And then Sergio Romo. Sergio will be on the plane with us, is what Scott Service said uh, in that Wednesday game before uh, against Philly, and then he has since joined the club. So Romo's back, but... You look at that, right, really quickly. Tom Murphy, your best hitting catcher at the moment, probably your best catcher in general at the moment. Kyle Lewis, 2020 Rookie of the Year, and a guy who swings a good bat. And Mitch Hanniger, a guy who is a valuable addition to this offense as well. So, I mean, you're missing some offense, and you you win a series against the Mets. It's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, continuing to chug along here as we look at team-related news, uh, a bunch of – roster related stuff but it's important to look at this today considering as we mentioned the unvaccinated thing unvaccinated players cannot enter canada um and that series against the blue jays starts today actually um so with roster related news on the 11th the mariners traded for uh traded infielder donovan walton to the giants for red-handed pitcher prelander uh Barroso? i think Barroa, yeah Barroa? okay um May 13th, a bunch of moves were made, eight to be exact. Uh, Sergio Romo was reinstated from the injured list. Steven Souza Jr. was selected from AAA Tacoma. Mike Ford reports to the club. Adrian Sampson was claimed off of waivers from the Cubs. Jared Kelnick and Danny Young were optioned to Tacoma. And as you see the photo of Kelnick that we've gotten here by Matt Bermudez, a great, I, I told I Matt today, that I, that's, it's a really damn good photo. The pink really popped. He did a great job. Um, there's a quote from Service about how Kelnick handled being sent down to Tacoma, saying stepping back right now is the right thing, and he understands it. He wasn't totally shocked. Obviously, he's going through this before being sent down. The reaction last year was much different than it was today. And quickly, I want to address this. I think this was the right move. I get it. He's been seeing the ball well. The coaches Mm -hmm. have been talking about his defense in right field. But ultimately, if you cannot hit off-speed pitching, if you can't hit the curveball, can't hit the changeup, can't hit the slider, a bunch of pitchers in this league are going to have their way with you. Um, he's still 22, a prime in major league baseball is 26, 27. I'm not worried about Jared Kelnick. I'm not worried about it. And I know that through as many at bats, nobody is this, this and that there's always a first for everything. And I think he's got the talent. He's got the support around him to be able to do that, but there's so much pressure put on by the fans and even probably by himself. I think the general messaging was to send him down to Tacoma and to learn how to have fun playing this game again. Because at the end of the day, you are playing a game. You're playing a game for money. You're playing a game to entertain people. You got to get back to basics. I think you have to get back to basics. And a lot of the time you see him, he's in his head when he's up there. He's in his own head. So I think he needs a reset. I think he needs a reset. You've got the outfielder depth. You've got the logjam to be able to be okay with that. Like when Kyle Lewis and Mitch Hanniger come back, Jared probably would have been sent down anyway. 
Yeah. So sure. I think I think it's the right thing to happen. And I think just let him once he figures it out and is able to just enjoy it again. Hey, bring him back. And then we will have to decide what we do with one of those outfielders. Do you think that Julio also being a young guy and having the kind of success that he's having puts extra pressure on? Kelnick? I think in a way it does. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the reaction that we've seen between interaction that I've seen with them has been good, yeah. like friends yeah, yeah. about it. So I don't think it's like, oh, I hate you that you're here and you're doing well. <laughs> but I have to, you have to think about that though, right? Mm-hmm. Because if someone else comes up in your same position and is doing well and is around your age, you're going to think, oh, shoot. It's like a Toy Story when he drops Woody. I don't want to yeah. play with you yeah. anymore. I think he's going to be fine. I think it does get into his head again, but that, that goes back into the mental aspect of it. Yeah, I think he's sure. so in over his head that he needs to reset. So that's that's my piece on that. I okay. know there's a lot of people, oh, I didn't, I expected this. I get that. And I get the people who want to give up. But at the end of the day, he's 22. Relax Push a little bit. Push the brakes. <laughs> yeah. So we'll continue with roster moves here. Uh, after the Kelnick and Young moves, uh, Stuart Fairchild was optioned to AAA Tacoma and then designated for assignment. Johan Ramirez was designated for assignment. And Mike Ford, that same day, obviously, he reported to the club, but he was acquired via trade for cash consideration. So sent him down to the Giants for cash, traded back for him from the Giants for <laughs> cash. Um, on the 14th, Danny Young was recalled from AAA Tacoma, and Eric Swanson was placed on the 15-day injured list with right shoulder inflammation. Uh, on the 15th, the team acquired infielder Alex Blandino and cash from San Francisco. So a lot of moves from San Francisco yeah. this year. In exchange for start. Stuart Fairchild, so uh, wish you the best, Stuart. And then on the 16th, the team selected left-handed pitcher Rowenis Elias from AAA Tacoma um, and placed Drew Steckenrider on the restricted list. So Steckenrider, the first move there in relation to the vaccination moves. Uh, you'll notice that Robbie Ray would have started one of these games, but his start has been moved, was moved to Sunday, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, wait. Oh, the start was moved to one of the games that wasn't in Toronto. Yeah. So... Uh, interesting to see if there are any moves that are made the rest of the day. The game starts in about two hours. So we'll see. I know that I don't think Adam Frazier is in the lineup in the, in the lineup today. So that could be another move. But at the moment, um, I could have seen it. Nope. Nothing, nothing else has happened. Okay. So um, we'll continue with that. In league-related news, on the 9th of May, the MLB announced that they will hold events in London. Uh, the MLB announced a commitment to hold major events in London over the next five years, including regular season games in 2023, 24, and 2026. On the 10th, uh, Angels rookie throws a no-hitter. Reed Detmers throws a no-hitter at the age of just 22 years old, becoming the youngest in Angels history, the first solo no-hitter of the season. On the 11th, the Houston Astros owner wants fans to acknowledge the Yankees cheating. Astros owner Jim Crane says that he'd keep my mouth shut if he were New York <laughs> Yankees uh, general manager Brian Cashman, who mentioned sign-stealing schemes. I don't want to comment on the Astros because I don't like them as an organization. Uh, also that day, Christian Yelich uh, hit for the cycle. It is the third time in his career that he's achieved the feat. All three of them have come against the Cincinnati Reds, so oh, it wow. seems like he's kind of pulling <laughs> on the Reds there. And then also that day, White Sox versus Guardians was postponed as multiple COVID cases within the Cleveland organization were announced, uh, so that game had to be rescheduled. On the 15th, uh, the Reds, and we just talked about the Reds being hit yep. for the cycle. Uh, the punches keep coming. The Reds lost despite not allowing a hit. A combined no-hit attempt, which was spearheaded by rookie Hunter Green, was rasted as the Reds lost on a fielder's choice. So the bases were loaded. Art Warren, former Mariner, actually was pitching. And a fielder's choice, the Pirates scored a run. And so that no hit doesn't really matter. Uh, It's kind of funny. That is really rare to happen. Uh, And then also on the 15th, Albert Pujols pitches. For the first time in his 22-year career, uh, the legendary player becomes the second oldest in Major League history to uh, pitch to have his pitching debut uh, against the Giants. So that was kind of cool. But anyway, we'll keep moving here. Uh, so as I mentioned, big road trip coming up. We look at the rest of that road trip as the Mariners sit at a 16-19 and 19 record, third in the American League West, uh, May 16th through 18th versus the Blue Jays. The 16th and 17th is a 407 start. Uh, oh, wait, no, they're all 407 starts. My apologies. 407? That's so specific. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> always funny seeing stuff like that. And then a four-game stretch against the Boston Red Sox, May 19th through 22nd. May 19th and 20th are 4 10 p.m. starts. Uh, 
May 21st is a 1.10 p.m. start. And then May 22nd on Sunday is a 10.35 a.m. start, uh, Pacific time, that is. So uh, with that being said, we'll head over to our Storm here who uh, played the Mercury, a familiar foe over, what, two day games over four days? Yeah, they had to weather a storm there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, on May 11th, they were in Phoenix, and they lost that 77-97. to Our player of the game is Jewel Lloyd with 26 points, two assists, and five rebounds. And then three days later, the Phoenix Mercury came to town and that one was very close, but the storm just couldn't hold on and they lost again 64 to 69. And not a surprise, our player of the game again is Jewel Lloyd and she basically had the exact same performance, um, another 26 point, three assists and five rebound performance for Jewel. Um, anything that stood out to you that you'd like to mention here? I mean, we'll get to it in injury news, but yeah. obviously losing the best player in the world, um, your backup point guard who's performing really well this season and not having Mercedes Russell still, Russell still factors into that. Definitely. I know that there was some panic, but at the end of the day, you're missing three players who are starting caliber or, I mean, in Pip's, uh, in her regard, like six, six women. I'm not too worried about yeah. it. You're playing a Phoenix, a team that, as we talked about to lead into the season, has a ton of talent. They obviously are still missing Brittany Griner, and we yes. have an update on that that we'll get to. But they have a ton of talent on that roster. We, you and I were looking at it in the press conference. That starting five is insane. It, and then yeah. to have Diamond <laughs> Shields off the bench, to not have Brittany Griner still, who at times has been one of the most dominant players in the WNBA. Speaking of dominant players, um, the team did hold Tina Charles to only four points in that second matchup. Um, the defense overall was great. I mean... You can tell just by how much they allowed the Mercury to score in that second game. They only got 69 points compared to that first matchup where they got 97. And you you talk about you know the difference there and holding the Mercury to those points. Obviously, the difference was you look over at the Storm offense, Jewel Lloyd had those 26 points, mm -hmm. which is great, but nobody else scored in double figures. No. That's an issue. Yeah. You know? And I really liked Steph Talbot's performance stepping up in Brianna Stewart's yes. absence, but she did not get double points. She got 14 rebounds, which is a career high for her, but didn't hit double digits. Yeah. Gabby Williams kind of struggled from the field. She did, and then uh, she struggled with a couple fouls to start the game. Yep. Stubert also struggled. I didn't hit her basket, her first bucket, until, what, five minutes left in, in the, third the third period? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, as it's been pointed out, you need more offensive contributions from this roster. Beyond January, I think she had some tough buckets, but she could not hit from the no. field. And that's something we knew about. But once once January and Williams are able to hit their stride from the field, then I'm more worried, you know, if I'm another team in the league. But again, having Stewie out, having Pip out, and yeah. then not even thinking about having Russell in there, I'm not too worried about it. Like Noel Quinn said in the press conference, see us in a couple months. Exactly. Once even even in a month, I think they'll be fine. So. Yeah. Moving on to, as Chuck mentioned, some injury news here. Um, there were some untimely scratches right before the matchup with Phoenix at 4.19 p.m. on the 11th. Epiphany Prince is ruled out due to health and safety protocols. And then right after that at 5.49 p.m., Brianna Stewart is ruled out due to health and safety protocols. Um, Stewie tweeted, fly commercial, they said. Um, and she wasn't the only one that was sounding off on that. There were other WNBA players, I believe, that... Um, had concerns over the exact same thing. Um, Stewie's health and safety protocol outfit was a Brittany Griner jersey that day. So that was cool to see. Um, Stewie continues to support the free BG cause and tweets every single day how many days it's been since we've had uh, Brittany Griner back home. So um, moving on to the 13th here, the injury report versus Mercury again out was Mercedes Russell with that non-basketball injury, Epiphany Prince on health and safety and Stewie on health and safety on the 14th. Um, there was an injury report update from head coach Noel Quinn, Brianna Stewart and Epiphany Pr Prince should be good to go for this Wednesday's matchup against the Chicago sky, but there has been no official word yet. And actually, I am lying as I am saying that because we do have an update on Epiphany Prince um, here in a minute. Uh, Mercedes Russell continues to progress well in her rehab and on-court workouts, but there's no official word on her return. Again, no, not even any clarity on what that injury is. No, and it was interesting, you know, when we've talked about this, trying to get some sort of update uh, from Coach, 
But, you know, at the practice before that last game, I was, I mean, Russell was the only player on the court about 10 minutes after practice had ended. Shooting looked fine. But obviously, it's really interesting to think about what that might be because we don't know. Right. And in any update that the official team has given us, it says, oh, three to five weeks, we'll update you when we know more. Yeah. What does that mean? Very big. And it's, it's, you know, you're starting, you're losing somebody who played starting minutes for you a lot last year and has, over the time that she's been in the W, has consistently gotten better. So wouldn't you want to have, you it, yeah, it's an interesting situation. When we were sitting in the press conference room, um, there was a question regarding Mercedes Russell for head coach Noah Quinn. And I hoped that maybe she would slip up and say at least what body part we're talking about here. But she was very good at not doing so. <laughs> um, as we move on here to team notes, on the 11th at 4.23 p.m., the Storm announced that they would sign guard Reina Perez to a hardship contract, likely due to the injuries to Prince and Stewart. Um, on the 13th, the Storm announced that they signed Kayla Davis to a hardship contract as well. I don't think she saw any minutes. Um, and then the injury report versus the Mercury again for that second matchup out again, the exact same people, Mercedes Russell, non-basketball, Epiphany and Brianna Stewart on health and safety. On the 16th, which is today, the Storm released Reina Perez and they activated Pip. So at least we know for sure that we get her back for the matchup against the Chicago Sky. But did Stewie not join that list before her? What did I just? No. No. Okay. No. So same day though, right? We'll probably hear about that today or tomorrow, but I would expect to hear about that before Wednesday's matchup, but we'll see. Obviously we'll talk about it with Chicago when we play them. Well, after we play them, but you're playing against Candace Parker and mm-hmm. the reigning defending champs. I know that they're missing a few pieces from that championship team, but it's still going to be, they're still defending their title. So it won't yeah. be easy. And having Brie, Brianna Stewart back would be huge. It would be. Yes. Um, moving on to some league notes here. Br- news on Brittany Griner. Um, Brittany Griner was honored by the Phoenix Suns. The Sun will honor w- WNBA star by displaying her initials jersey number on the court for the remainder of the playoffs. And unfortunately, that did not actually go for as long because the Suns lost yesterday. So <laughs> there's the end of that. Um, Brittany Griner's pretrial detention extended by a month uh, and Russia lists asking price in exchange for Griner. Russia is looking to exchange Griner in prisoner swap for notorious convict convicted arms trafficker Victor Bell. Um, the WNBA Players Association joins online petition demanding that lawmakers prioritize for safe return home. They said it is imperative that the U.S. government immediately address this human rights issue and do whatever is necessary to return Brittany home quickly and safely. Um, This is not the first time that her pretrial has been extended, so hopefully it's the last. But um, yeah, just continuing to follow this and hopefully Brittany Garner is home soon. Um, Our record for the Seattle Storm sits at one and three, and they are fifth in the Western Conference. And the words from Noel Quinn resonate with me when she said that the Chicago Sky were 16 and 16 last season and they were able to compete and win that championship. So no need to panic yet. Um, like Chuck said, come check them out in a month and see where they're at. Looking ahead on May 18th, they are playing the Chicago Sky. That's a 7 p.m. Gay game. May 20th, they are playing home again versus the LA Sparks. And that's also a 7 p.m. game. And it's important to note here that their next seven games are at home um, here at Climate Pledge Arena. Yeah. So, I mean, just to, again, touch on that with looking at having those three players out Mm -hmm. worrying about the season at all, you've got seven games at home. Yeah. You've got time to figure it out. Like Drew Lloyd is talking about, you've got time to practice. Get the Like Gabby Williams and Brianna January joined beyond January, joined that roster right around the time that things began. They'll figure it out. I mean, seven games at home is kind of unprecedented, I think, but that'll be interesting to look at. So uh, with that being said, we switch over to our Sounders here, who after a tough past week, uh, I mean, it was kind of a mixed week for them, uh, playing in uh, Starfire on May 11th versus the San Jose Earthquakes in the U.S. Open Cup round of 32 game, losing that game. The regulation score was two to two, but in penalties they would lose nine to ten. Player of the game left back Jimmy Madranda with a eight point nine rating, ninety-seven minutes played, one goal, four total shots, and a seventy-seven percent pass percentage. 
Uh, I mean, that was a tough game. U.S. Open Cup round of 32. The Sounders have won four U.S. Open Cups before. And Brian Smith has talked about you want to win every trophy that we can. You want to win every game you can. Yeah. Uh, but it was tough. I mean, there was a mixed lineup. There were some starters in. There were some younger guys. And you want to rest some guys following uh, that uh, that game and just the overall week after a CCL. Um is five years that marked five years since the Sounders played an open cup game at Starfire, which is kind of fun. Uh, it's the first time since 2006 that neither Seattle or Portland uh, are among the final 16 teams in the open cup. Uh, and just a little thing with the note about penalties Seattle has lost the last four penalty shootouts since their 2016 MLS Cup win, all four coming early in some sort of playoff form. 2018, 2020, and CCL, 2021 in that round, I think round one matchup against Real Salt Lake that I was at, and I thought I was bad luck because of that. <laughs> um, and then 2022 with this U.S. Open Cup matchup. So it seems like they're paying the price uh, for winning in penalties sure. in 2016. But at the end of the day, you won CCL, U.S. Open Cup, fine. But now you have to focus up on MLS Cup and winning in the actual league. Right. Um, with that being said, we go back to the scores here, uh, playing against Minnesota, a team that you are now 11 wins, one draw and one loss against all time, uh, and have not lost points to them at home. May 15th versus the Minnesota. They go to play them at Lumen field, a three to one win. All three of those goals coming in the second half play of the game. Midfielder Christian rolled on with a 9.0 rating, 90 minutes played one goal and one assist. So they really they got back on track this game. Yeah. They got back on track. This is a team that has had one of the worst starts um, to an MLS season in their MLS iteration. And I know that there's, you know, early season Sounders, there's worry about scoring. I think they've scored 13 in their, their last seven games now. Mm -hmm. But so in six of their 10 previous seasons, Seattle's had a match at a stretch of eight games where they average uh, 0.88 points per game or worse. So that's, you know, around one point per game. You want to usually do one point per game if you're going to do playoffs. In those seasons, they've finished with an average of 55 points. So they're able to turn things around. And I again, this is one of the deeper rosters in MLS history. I think they'll be able to turn things around. And that started in that second half because they go into halftime down by a goal. You think, ah, oh, shoot, this is the same old right. thing. And then three goals. Um, Christian Rodon draws a foul in the box for a penalty. Raul puts it away. Christian scores a beautiful goal from the top of the box where he was just running parallel to the box and then turned and fired top corner. Um, and then Nico adds one to end the game, put the final nail in the coffin. This is the Sounders that we expect. You know, this is the firepower that we expect to see. They had some defensive miscues uh, after being one of the best defensive teams in the league last year. They played really well defensively in CCL. So I think they'll, you know, this is stuff to work on. You're going to have to work on things throughout the season. Um, but I think this is a good start because looking at it, their next two games are on the road against teams that are sixth and seventh in the, the Western Conference standings right now. And then you play five games at home. So get through those tough games and then try yeah. to reestablish Lumen Field as a fortress, you know, that it's been for years. Um, so, but this is a good start. I think this is a good starting point. Uh, continuing with re league-related news, I mean, injury-related news, pardon me, on the 13th, Javier Arriaga cleared concussion protocol, which is good to see, but Jackson Reagan was in health and safety protocols, and we know why dealing with the storm, what health and safety usually means. Mm -hmm. So hopefully Jackson's able to deal with that sooner rather than later. Um, but it's it's good to see that the injury report is mostly it's clean. Small, yeah. <laughs> Just obviously with Joe Paulo out for the season, that seeing his name linger around that won't be ideal, but... I talk about Christian Roldan having his success that he's had this season will be huge to the success of the Sounders as a whole, because he's been playing at an MLB caliber level. Albert Rusnak has been playing great in the midfield. Obed Vargas, a 16 year old has been playing great. So it's just, again, talking about the deepest roster in the MLS, you're going to need those guys to step up. And I think that's, that's a, that's a luxury. Yeah. Obviously you wouldn't like for Zhao to be injured, but you can somewhat mitigate that. Um, in team-related news, nothing too big on the 15th due to the yellow card that he earned versus Minnesota. Obed Vargas will be suspended for the next game due to yellow card accumulation. Uh, so he'll be out in that game against Houston. Seattle sits today three wins, five loss, one draw record. Uh, 11th in the Western Conference right now. They bumped up a few spots. Uh, the next few games over this couple this next week are May 18th at the Houston Dynamo with a 4.30 p.m. kickoff. They're 
Houston is the sixth seed in the West currently. Um, and then May 22nd at the Colorado Rapids, a 5 p.m. start. They are the seventh seed in the West. So you got two teams that are, you know, obviously trying to set themselves up for playoff success. And Christian Rodon said it too. You're going to get every team's best shot. You're the Definitely. Sounders. You just won CCL. Mm-hmm. You've Target. been one of the best teams in American soccer. You're going to get everyone's team, everyone's best shot. So uh, with that being said, over, uh, we'll send it to the Kraken with not necessarily anything too huge, but it's important stuff. Bell, uh, what took place over the past week? Yeah, an off-season note here on the 10th. The Kraken will select fourth overall in the 2022 NHL entry draft. So not a bad pick. Um, and then some league news here on the 10th, Montreal Canadiens win the number one overall pick in the 2022 NHL draft lottery. And they are the host city of the draft doubles number two coyotes, number three. Um, with that, I just want to point ahead. some out really quick. So with all the trades that took place over the trade deadline, yeah. right, and then finding out that Seattle will pick fourth, Seattle has, um, five picks in the top, no, pardon me, four picks in the top 60, uh, number four, mm-hmm. obviously, 35, 49, and 56. Um, and then I think they've got a pick at 60, so I guess technically five. Um, but mm-hmm. it's interesting to see that because I know that Ron Francis, the general manager, talked about it after these trades happened. Not all of these picks are going to be used. So who will get traded? What picks will get traded? Yeah. Something to think about because I know that there's been talk about wanting this team to compete next year. You think we ki- we keep that? Fourth, fourth, though. yes, yeah. I think yeah, four, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think anything after four could be on the table, sure. Because four, I mean, you still want to continue to build for your future and be set up for long term success, unlike the Las Vegas Golden Knights and going all in early on to continue to try and get success really mm-hmm. early on in your franchise's career, uh, iteration. Yeah, but I think anything after that could be fair game, but just wanted to note that awesome. On the 10th, um, it was also announced that Patrick Marlowe retires. The legendary Sharks player calls it a career after 23 seasons and an NHL record of 1,779 games played. That's insane. So a career three years years older than I'm alive. I've been alive. (laughs) Good career. Um, On the 11th, Oilers defenseman suspended for headbutting. Defenseman Darnell Nurse was banned one game for headbutting Kings forward Philip Denault. Uh, <laughs> headbutt really yeah that was, that was a dumb decision <laughs> um and on the 16th vegas fires their head coach las vegas is letting pete De- debar debar go after three seasons the golden knights miss playoffs for first time in franchise history this season um as we look ahead here July 7th would will be round one of the NHL draft. And like we said, we do have that number four pick. Um, July 8th is rounds two through seven. And then July 13th, free agency begins. So yeah, kind of far out there, but that's what we're basically looking forward to next when mm-hmm. it relates to the Kraken. Um, because, I mean, can't sign anybody until the 13th. And then now it's just we're going to kind of look at potential picks so i'm sure that you know as we lead into july we can kind of look at who might be available number four and play around with that kind of thing so uh, with that being said the oil rain over the past week only played one game but as we mentioned last week it's a portland game it's cascadia rivalry it's always important uh no necessarily notable fireworks in Mm -hmm. this game there was a zero to zero draw uh play the game goalkeeper fallon told us joy so we'll get to more fallon here in a bit uh she recorded an 8.3 rating in 90 minutes played recording six saves not, you know, as I mentioned, a lot of these Cascadia rivalry matchups include a lot of fireworks. There's a lot going on. There's notable headlines. It's like, oh, there's always a spectacle to yeah. it. This was a more relaxed game, and I'm okay with coming out, splitting the points with Portland here because it's really tough to go into Portland and play at Providence Park. They have a pretty decent size uh, support group down there. And Portland's a well-made roster, and they've been a well-made. They were first in the regular season last year um, in NWSL. They didn't make the final um but they they were at the top of the standings and it was kind of the rain and the uh, thorns kind of jockeying yeah. for that position the last few weeks of the year um so i'm okay splitting points down with portland down there when they come up here it's a different it's a different story but playing down there in portland i'm okay with splitting the points um an injury related news on the 13th for the injury mar- report against portland nobody was on it at all which is good to see. I, I want to note, though, a lot of people are like, oh, Megan Rapino wasn't on it. She wasn't on it last week either. So I don't, 
know if we're following along with the rain as well as we should be. We were letting you know she wasn't on injury report last week. So this isn't anything necessarily <laughs> new. She did record notable minutes in this game. Last week she was on injury report, but she only played uh, for the penalties right. uh, in that game against Washington. But um, it was good to see her play meaningful minutes. I know that's, some, that's something she's building towards. So uh, in team-related news, on the 10th, we had four rain players named to the NWSL Challenge Cup All-Tournament team, including goalkeeper Fallon Tillis-Joyce, defenders Alana Cook and Sofia Huerta, midfielder Rose Lavelle. Uh, so four players uh, were the most in the league uh, selected to the All-Tournament team. So good to see that there. Just would have liked to see the rain play in the final if they hadn't been screwed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, continuing with the news related to Fallon, on the 12th, the league awards uh, Fallon the, her fourth NWSL Save of the Week uh, for the penalty kick save that she had against the Spirit in that shootout. And we will shoot that over to you right about now. Save! First save of this shootout. And Tullis Joyce opens the door for O.L. Reign to win it on the next shooter. Tullis Joyce read it the whole way in all game phase for Tullis Joyce. Yeah, her expression has not changed throughout this shootout. Yeah, and we could, like Bill just said, she's she's been having a season. I think that's four in, what, like six, seven weeks? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's obviously majority, so that's really good to see. And, again, I'll always admit, leading into the season, I was wrong. I was wrong. I was worried. I was cautious, but she continues to uh, continues to play well. So excited to see, obviously, what her career entails with her. This really being the first year that she's seeing notable minutes. Um but obviously really wanted to note that there that she earned that award for the fourth time. Um, and then on the 13th, acknowledging people in awards, uh, the team recognized Ford Bethany Balser for hitting 50 regular season appearances with the club. So Bethany, a winning rookie of the year, I believe in 2019, um, has been an incredible offensive player, uh, getting close to the most goals scored last season in the league uh, and beating the leading, I believe she was the leading goal scorer for the club last year. So Bethany has been, she was actually my first rain interview that I ever did. Awesome. Um, so want to recognize Bethany there. She's been a great part of this club and she's been really outspoken about mental health, uh, which is always really cool to see with anybody that's on any of our teams. So uh, continuing here in league related news, the NWSL hired Dr. Sydney Chang as the league's first chief medical officer. Yeah. So again, as the league continues to try and grow and provide, try to you know, treat their players as yeah. well as they need to be. Having a medical officer is something that, you know, it's a good step to see. Um, so keeping it moving, looking ahead, the rain records is at zero wins, two draws, and one loss in NWSL play. Tenth in the NWSL table, they will play a sort of grudge match on the 22nd versus the Washington Spirit at home with a 3 p.m. start. Obviously, I say that because last week, They played the Spirit twice in the Challenge Cup semifinal and in the regular season opener, losing both of those Mm -hmm. games. So some way to exact some revenge there. With that being said, we look over to our Seawolves, who are a little bit later in their season, gunning for a playoff spot, playing a team that's in a playoff position. Uh, And how did that really go for them, Bill? What are we looking at here? I believe we mentioned last week that that would be a tough matchup for them. They did play Rugby New York on the 15th, and that was a loss of 22 to 30. Our player of the game is fly half AJ Alatimu. One try scored, one goal kick, 154 kicking meters, and five total points. Um, Were you there at that one? That was in New York, so I wasn't. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that that was tough. Seattle kept it close for most of the game. Um, and New York just kept responding. And yeah. It's like it, there's games like that where like it's like almost an underdog. Hey, we're still in the fight. We're still in the fight. But answer, answer, answer. Um, it, it was it's tough. This is a team now that we you know with that loss they don't control their own destiny. You got to start looking at scoreboards. Got to start. Got to start watching. And we'll look at it when we get to the upcoming with the different where the positioning is in the standings. But. Before it ends, I want to say that this is a big improvement over the last two seasons that they've had. But obviously, you you know, as the two-time reigning champ, well, as the two-time champs to begin the MLR's existence, you'd like to uphold that. You'd like yeah. to continue that success. Um, just tough how it's gone. 
Uh, moving on to some team news here. On the 10th, the team recognizes Captain Reichert Hatting for, for achieving 50 caps. He's the second player in club history to reach the mark and 11th player in league history. Um, also on the 10th, I'm going to ask you for help on this name because I do not like messing up names. <laughs> uh, yeah, that one's kind of tough. Leona uh, Fuji. I think that's okay. that's probably the best. That was what I would go with. And Duncan Matthews named to best 15 players of the week of Seawolves historic, historic win over Dallas. On the 15th, the team recognized J.P. Smith for achieving 50 caps. He's the third player in club history to reach the mark, of course, after Hatting. And 15th in league history to reach the mark. So congratulations to him. Cool there to see two guys yeah. who you know, have been with the club as long as they have and to, I mean, stay with one team. Cause obviously like in any sport, if you stay with one team for a certain amount of time, obviously someone wants to, to be there. Right. Yeah. You know, so good to recognize that. And some, uh, I was really intrigued to see this league news. I don't yeah, know about you, but this I is kind of cool yeah. because the USA is kind of the newer kids on the block when it comes to rugby. So for sure. Um, the USA named as host of a rugby world. Was that supposed to say? Yeah. <laughs> rugby World Cup. Men's Rugby World Cup will be in 2031. Women's Rugby World Cup in 2033. Um, and then moving on to our standings and record here, the team sits at a 7-7 seven and seven record. They are now fifth in the Western Conference with 36 points, eight points behind second place, five points behind third place, and one point behind fourth place. So, yeah, Ooh, I mean, you look at it there, the there. top three teams in each conference make it. So you have to gun for third. You can't care yeah. about being one behind fourth. You have to gun for third there. Um, yeah. Looking ahead here, they will be uh, hosting the Houston Sabercats on the 27th at 7.30 p.m. Uh, Houston currently sits at third in West for final playoff spot with 41 points. So you're playing the team that you're looking up at. Yep. And, That's you know, to catch them, you have to with a bonus point, you have to kind of beat them handily. So yeah. you're going to need, like with that game against Dallas, you're going to need another great performance. So we'll see if they're able to do that. Um, as we head over to wrap it up with Star of the Week, uh, both of them are Storm players, but yeah. we went with different people. I want to see why you went with Ezzy today. Um, because I was glad to be at the block party. <laughs> um, Ezzy had four in the first quarter, and she ended that game with six. And again, that... Seven. Was it seven? Yep. She ended with seven. And, of course, that was um, a defensive game all around. But Ezzy did a great job in just keeping her spot, making sure to help with Tina Charles, and, of course, putting up her own stats. So. Yeah, and, I mean, you talk about as, as many as she did have. I think seven is the most since Lauren Jackson did it back in 2017. So Lauren Jackson, a Hall of Famer. One and the only player that's got her number retired in storm history, which will change. Soon. Yeah. Um, but it was one off from the franchise uh, high of eight, yes. which was again Lauren Jackson. So that was really great to see. And as he again, uh, a great defensive game mm -hmm. and someone that's going to continue to grow and get better. And she's relatively young. And I, I was really, I was like, oh shoot. You know, I looked down once and she's blocking a ball at the top of the key by Tina Charles and bringing it down uh, for the other end of the court. Right. Was, yeah, totally fair. <laughs> um, I went with one of her teammates with Jewel Lloyd. Uh, Jewel, I mean, last season was incredible. Continued to, she had a career year last year, not only offensively, but on the defensive side of the ball mm -hmm. and was really able to kind of carry the load when Stewie was out, when Sue was out at times. Um, obviously, you wouldn't like to have her do that because you want to see a more concentrated team effort. Um, but I think she's kind of picked up where she's left off. I mean, I would really like to, again, get her more support around the lineup, uh, but she's been somebody who continues to light it up and is definitely, I think it's 1A and 1B with her and Stewie for face of the mm -hmm. franchise right now. Obviously, mm -hmm. Sue's getting her flowers and all that, but you would like for those two to lead this franchise going forward, I would hope, you know, but she's she's really picking up. Uh, where she left off, I thought. So, yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts as we look over the past week? Yeah, I'm just I'm going to comment on the Jewel Lloyd here because 
I noticed that um, she was more aggressive in the second half of the game. And um, not much you can do about Diana Taurasi scoring, but she had some great words about Jewel and just mentioned how dominant she can be and how she can take over in the game whenever she wants. Um, and that really seemed like it came in the second half. Like she knew she had to produce, especially with how we mentioned Seabird wasn't uh, completely in her element. And yeah, just a great couple of games here for Jewel. So, so you know, with that being said, the things continue to chug along here and we continue to have you covered uh, as Saman just put in there and always thank your uh, people behind the camera Thanks, for all Saman. the work that they continue to put in. Um, check out the uh, at under me for our, our social media, Circling Seattle Sports on Instagram, Circling Sports on Twitter, uh, Circling Seattle Sports on Facebook. Uh, head to the Converge blog site to see all the blogs that we continue to put up for Mariners, Storm, and more as we continue it. A uh, ton of content that we're putting out for you guys. So uh, with that being said, we will see you next week uh, for another episode of Circling Seattle Sports. Until then, do the best that you can to make today a great day. And damn, it's been a beautiful day out today mm -hmm. already. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.